0: Hi Chad Hi Julie You're rocking a side pony
1: Yeah I just tried that I like it
0: I see it You're rocking a side pony I can tell Because we're back For season two With video <laughs> <laughs> And everyone can see it Yeah Chad always has good Hairstyles going on Thank you Who are we talking to today?
1: Today we're talking to Nicole Bayer, Who is Really sharp Really frank yeah. She's like Ask question Give answer Like I already said that, but it's just, <laughs> it really is like a zing, zing, zing. She's pretty zingy. That's how I'm She is. It. You know
0: her from Nailed It, Emmy nominated from that. She's a comedian. She is multi-talented, very funny. She's everywhere. She drops a little quip bomb on us towards the end. So wait for it, people. I was fascinated. Here she is, Nicole Byer.
1: Nicole Byer.
0: Nicole Byer, and welcome to Quitters. Hi, hi, hi. Oh my gosh, we are so excited. I am so excited. I don't know, Chad.
1: I'm super excited. I just watched Nicole turn down a bunch of guys on the street. I enjoyed that. (laughs) That's really fun.
0: (laughs) On the dating one?
1: Yeah, the Jimmy Kimmel segment. She's outside on the street and these guys come up and they're not good enough for her. And it was great.
0: You're like a favorite on everything that you do. You made a show, nailed it, and then it was like (laughs) nominated for an Emmy. Why? (laughs) Nicole Byer. Like, you make silly seem worth it. Oh,
2: thank you.
0: What's your secret sauce?
2: I guess my secret sauce is I'm like my own biggest fan. I think I'm funny and I'm having a nice time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When did you discover that about yourself, that you were your own biggest fan?
2: When I started taking improv classes, sometimes I would get a note that'd be like, boy oh boy Nicole she's having the most fun on stage or like or when people are like why do you laugh at yourself and I'm like because sometimes when I tell a joke on stage I'll laugh after or whatever and I'm like I don't know I'm not leaving my house to tell jokes that I don't think are funny I like (laughs) the reason why I'm on stage is because I think it's funny and then also if you're not your own biggest fan like what are you doing
1: I feel that
0: you have a real improv background because a lot of the stuff I see you do it feels very coming off the top of your head at least that's the way you sell it and it works
2: thank you yeah i did a lot of improv i started in 2008 and i still do shows and shit where do we see this I want to see this. Oh, anywhere. I used to do it at UCB before it closed. And then now, just around town. If you happen to see it on my Instagram, (laughs) I don't really promote it. Because if I'm working, I will bail if I have an early call time. So I try not to promote them. So it's like, if you see me, you see me.
1: We've done a lot of homework. So we know that you're pretty much working constantly, it sounds like now. (laughs) And I want to get into that a little bit. But regarding your being your own biggest fan, you are hysterical and you don't have like that underlying darkness that glows off of some comedians. <laughs> Do you feel me? D- does that resonate like me saying that to know. you? I
0: I disagree. <laughs> I feel a deep Cause I'm not interested in people that are all fluffy. I don't I think assume she's there's I think a darkness.
1: She's, she looks introspective. She looks like she knows herself. She looks like she makes fun of herself. All that shit. You know how you feel a little bit scared when you watch certain comedians, <laughs> even though they're yes. hysterical?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I don't
1: feel that. I feel I feel like there's a little bit more uh I don't know, like something a little warmer that comes off of you. Did that resonate?
2: I think so. I've never really thought of it like that. I stick to topics that I like, and I think I can frame a lot of things that might seem bad in a nicer way,
0: which is ex- why you've were so successful on nailed it. Because literally, it's about things being bad. Yeah, <laughs> and then you make it <laughs> funny. But there is a warmth, an inherent warmth too. Like, does anyone not like you?
2: I know a hundred percent that there's people out there who don't like me, but that's okay because comedy is subjective. You can't be for everybody. That's insane. But yeah, sometimes people will, you know, comment on my Instagram that I'm not funny or they don't like me or I'm too fat. And I'm like, these are all true. Like I could be not funny to you. (laughs) I am a fat person. (laughs) You know, I'm glad you told me you got it off your chest.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad. I hope you're feeling better about it because I forgot to give a shit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I truly don't care because it's like, if you don't like me, hopefully you'll find somebody that you can laugh at and that you
1: like. That comes from a real place of confidence, truth. You're really like, this is me. If you're not into this, change the channel.
2: There's going to be some people who don't like you. And like, if you think about it, that's fine. It's okay. It's okay if like out of 10 people, two don't like you. It's okay if nine people out of 10 don't like you. One person will. There's always going to be one person who likes you.
0: But as far as what they're commenting on, it is what you are putting out there. What percentage of you of, in your entirety do you hold back that we not ever see? Chad and I talk about this all the time because Chad is just sort of starting his journey into being a very public figure and especially Mm -hmm. with rap shit woo rap shit
1: (gasps) (laughs) Nicole's like what's that no No, I know what it is it's on HBO (laughs) it's produced by
2: Issa Rae I watched the trailer I haven't had a chance to watch it yet but it is on my list because I think it looks great
1: take your time
0: it's super different than I thought it would be and I'm really loving it I thought it was going to be much more like background noise for me Mm -hmm. while I'm folding laundry, and I was like, oh, no, no, no. I, stopped, I had to sit, and I had to stop. No, because that's the way I watch. No, a lot of TV is that for me. It keeps me company. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, stop. It's not set up, set up, joke, set up, set You know what I mean? You got to give it your attention, but it's it's so worth it. But we talk a lot about social media and how much of yourself you're going to put out there. Of course, everybody thinks that, oh, I know Nicole Byard. This mm-hmm. is exactly who she is, but it's what you're putting out there. What percentage is it of you?
2: I would say 90% of it is... I actually, I think like a hundred percent, I'm not like putting anything on, but there are things I do keep personal to myself. You can't put everything out there because if you don't have anything for you, what are you doing in your personal life? But I'm not putting anything on. I'm not, I'm never saying anything that I don't actually believe.
0: No, I believe that. I just am wondering how much do you keep... To yourself,
2: Oh, a lot. A ton of stuff.
0: <laughs> Could you secretly have a very successful relationship? Because part of your public facing persona is you can't find the right guy. People don't appreciate you for who you are. What it would happen if you were in some really successfully intimate relationship? Do you feel like that would carve into your public persona in a way that would be negative?
2: No, I think it would influence my comedy a little bit more because I do pull from life. People ask, like, would you continue the podcast? And I'd be like, yeah. The answer is just why won't you take me? It's because I have somebody. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would continue it. And yeah, I think I would probably make jokes about it. I'm curious. It would be fun. (laughs) I would love to be able to make jokes about a boyfriend. Would you really, though? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'd be fun.
1: You've hooked into something about dating that really sticks on people. It's in your comedy. It's in your podcast, and you talk about it. It resonates with me. I'm 34. I'm engaged. I dated for, like, I don't know, probably 10 years in New York City. It was really fun. It was really shitty. It was, like, a whole range of things. But, like, what's the thing that you've hooked into that is making it work for you.
2: Nothing that's happened to me is specific to me. Everyone's been on a bad date. Everybody has gone on a date and been like, this is the one. Everyone has thought this is the one, and then that's not the one. So I think it's just super relatable.
1: If I make dating is different for Black folks, especially in some of these cities like LA, like New York, and especially on dating apps where some people will leapt swipe you just on face value. In spending so much time talking to people about dating, thinking about dating, What have you seen in that regard that's like specific to black folks?
2: Well, there was like a study on OK Cupid, I think, that black women and Asian men are at the bottom of the totem pole. And I also see that. Like I don't match with a ton of people. I don't go on that many dates. I'm not just a black woman, I'm also a fat black woman. I'm also in the public eye. I'm also very loud. It's a lot of things rolled up into one giant ball, and you have to be accepting of all that. And I guess what I've learned is just like, I don't know, I haven't met the person who likes all of that because it is a lot.
0: Do you think guys are intimidated by those things? I'm not on apps, but producer Rachel is. And we wind down several nights a week with a glass of wine and a good swiping session. Mm -hmm. And because it's not my skin in the game, I really (laughs) enjoy it. So I'm divorced and I have a very good relationship with my ex-husband. We're very peaceful. But people said that one of the reasons why people speculated to me and, oh, I bet you were intimidating for him. It was probably a lot. You were really successful during your marriage. You know, he gets his opinion on that. Do you think that it's intimidating to be a successful woman? Intimidating
2: is such an interesting word. I just think a lot of men just don't want it. They just don't want to deal with it. I don't think it's like an intimidation thing. It's just like, oh, I would like to be the breadwinner. Mm. I would like to be the center of attention. I want her to mm. laugh at me. I don't think it's intimidation. I think it's just like, I don't want to deal with that.
1: Like deal with their smallness in that regard.
2: Correct. Like I don't, I don't want to date someone who makes me feel less than. And I don't think that's like intimidation. I think it's truly just like, I want to be the center of attention. I want her to laugh. Just like that age old, like a girl just being like flirty and be like, oh my God, you're so funny. It's <laughs> like, I'm not going to do
1: that. And I could see how that would be hard for anybody because you're very smart and very fast. But like, there's guys out there who are very smart and very fast who should be able to deal with that. I mean, it's not just that you're successful. Like you mentioned a few dimensions of who you are that people left swipe according to the OKCupid thing that you read, which I'm also familiar with. And I'm not just trying to poke the subject matter. It's interesting to me. Like I study race a lot, write about race a lot. And even still, I'm still kind of just like, but what the fuck, what is really under there? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like what's mm-hmm. really the thing? Do you think you have a handle on it?
2: No, I think if I had like a handle on it or the answers then I could just solve it and find somebody. In LA, you have a lot of people who aesthetically look more like somebody in a magazine or like on TV or whatever. And I, I'm not saying I'm ugly, I think I'm very beautiful. I'm just not traditionally the way that you would think of beauty. It sounds like I'm talking down to myself, but I'm not. I'm just realistic. I know what the media pushes and feeds you. Where'd you grow up? Jersey.
0: Okay, so I remember the first time I came to L.A. It was 94. Drove across the country with two of my best friends, Susanna and Susanna. And I remember we drove in and came in hot from Vegas and we were a mess. And we were at some bar looking around going, what do they do with the old and the ugly here? Like there are no unattractive people in LA. And it is stunning when you first experience that. Chad, do you remember your first experience of that?
1: Yes, but also like... When I visit LA there's like the different pockets of LA like when I go and hang out with my high school friends who live in Inglewood it's different. it looks different there versus okay. when I come up to the suburbs or when I go to West Hollywood right. like it it right. all looks different. Where do you live if we can ask that Nicole
2: Me I give your address. In- I live in Los (laughs) Angeles, California.
1: (laughs) Okay, cool. Word. (laughs) It's different from Jersey. I live in Queens now. It's definitely different from Jersey. Yes.
0: So you grew up in New Jersey. Are you an only child? No, I have an older sister. Did she end up a comedian as well? No. She is
2: a teacher. She works with kids. She's got the patience of a saint. She's the nicest person. Anytime I'm like, is there an awful thing she's ever done? I can't think of one. Like, she's so nice.
0: Does that give you some freedom, though? Does that allow you to be the younger sister who's a little bit messier?
2: Oh, yeah. I constantly stayed in trouble, and she constantly was just, like, getting straight A's and was being nice to people. We're very, very different. Like... I'm a little taller. She's very short. I'm fat. She's very thin. We're just like very different.
1: The most recent thing that I read about you, (laughs) I'm ashamed to say it was a Yahoo feature. It was detailing how back to back to back to back your schedule is and your life is right now. I have a much less crowded schedule than yours. And like, I'm sick right now. I just have a cold. Literally, the physical toll is a lot. Have your life always been like this? Were you a kid with a lot of energy? Or is this new for you?
2: No. I've always had a lot of energy. I have a little bit of ADHD, not a little bit. I have very severe ADHD. It's like easier for me to compartmentalize different things and bop around to different things and pull focus from thing to thing. I recently got an assistant and that has been, oh boy, so (laughs) helpful and wonderful to help me with my schedule. Because before I was doing everything by myself up until October of last year. And- That was wow, real awful. Like everything would get done. Just like when? <laughs> Who knows? I like being busy. I like working. And then I do take breaks. <laughs> not like not in a sense that like normal people do. Because I do work weekends too a lot. But I will like take a nice vacation where I do nothing.
0: You know, the name of the show is Quitters. And we don't know that much about your early years. I want to know if there was ever a time you were on a different trajectory. Was there ever a time when you were like, your sister, like, I'm going to be a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, a lawyer, something in the straight and narrow kind of world? For a little bit, I wanted to be a mechanic. Sweet. Not at all what I was expecting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, When I was little, I loved cars. I still like cars. Like, I just bought my dream car, which is a 98 Mitsubishi 3000 GT.
0: Oh, shit. I'm going to have to get my kids in here. They're going to shit themselves Does it have the... um? Lights that could do this, no, that go no, up no. In the so front?
2: they stopped making them with the lights that pop up, I think, in 95 or 96. Oh, okay. And I didn't want to get that one because it's a pain in the ass to get them fixed and you have to find a mechanic that like knows how to do all that shit. But yeah, it's my it was my favorite car growing up. It was like an affordable Japanese sports car, and I loved it. I could have gotten the Dodge Stealth, which is like the same wheelbase. Mm. It's same, actually, it's like the same car.
0: What do you mean it's the same car? I know this is off topic, but like when people just throw that off, they're like, Yeah, wait, the first one was a Mitsubishi, and then you're like, Oh, but the Dodge is the same For car. For like, whatever mm-hmm. reason,
2: they shared the same frame. It's the same car. It's the same thing with like an Eagle Talion and a Mitsubishi eclipse. It's the same car. Dodge Intrepid and the Eagle Vision are Mm, similar wheelbases, different, but uh, I don't know why Dodge and Mitsubishi have the same cars because they don't correlate. They don't correspond. Like Toyota and Lexus are like the same car.
0: Okay. You're blowing <laughs> my mind. This was really a passion of, I mean, it still is a passion, but so it sounds like being a mechanic was seriously an option for you
2: yeah like i asked my dad to show me how to change my oil in my car i asked him to show me how to change a tire because i was like these are all things i have to do when i get into the shop <laughs> <laughs> that didn't really work out and then i really wanted to be an illustrator because i love drawing then i took an art class and i was like oh my god everyone's so much better than me i can't do this so then i gave that up do you still draw
0: Sometimes. How do you feel when you walk away from a thing that you thought was defining you? You're an artist, you're a mechanic, and these are the things that you sort of defined you as a kid. What happens when you leave those behind?
2: Well, the mechanic thing, I was like, I don't know. I just didn't follow up on it. I didn't know how to do that. Like, I, I didn't know if there was like a vocation school to go. I just didn't look into it. So I didn't really think much of it. When I gave up Art and drawing, I didn't like give it up, give it up, but I stopped doing it as much as I did. I kind of just replaced it with acting, because in high school I started doing plays and stuff. I'll tell you something, I did quit. I quit smoking in January, cigarettes.
0: Yes! And boy, your tweet about that. I'm going to read it. (laughs) I quit smoking... This is like, should be, we should, we're going to steal this from you. So it's done. I quit smoking yesterday and I'm thinking about quitting, quitting, but I just should quit thinking about quitting, quitting and continue to quit. (laughs) Genius.
2: It was so hard. The first like month and a half was like, my God. Really tough. Like, just awful. Like, I go to sleep dreaming about them. And then sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd love to have one.
1: How long did you smoke?
2: From about 15 to and uh, 35 or 37. Wait, I'm 36? I don't know.
1: <laughs> 20 years? Shit.
0: And what inspired you to quit? Uh, a
2: friend of mine was like, you know how gr- Like, you smell gross. Like, you really Ugh. stink. And I was like, oh, do I? And then I stopped smoking for like a couple days and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I guess I do stink. And then I worked with someone who smokes and then I was like, oh, is that what I smell like? And then I was like, OK, I have to actually like let this go.
1: And so you stop in, you said January? Mm-hmm. Like one day you just had a last cigarette and then.
2: No, I read a book called The Easy Way to Quit by Alan Carr and I'd mm. read the book before and I got to the end and I was like, oh, shit, I think I actually want to quit. I won't finish this book. So then <laughs> I just kept smoking. And then I, like, actually finished it. And then I had my last cigarette. It's like a whole ritual where you, like, enjoy it. And you're like, this is my last one. And then, like, I put it out. And then I had several packs of cigarettes in my house. And I was like, well, I have to get rid of these. So I, like, ripped them up and poured water on them and threw them in my trash can. And then at 3 a.m., woke up and was like, I could do probably cobble one back together and i was like wait you're gonna go out, through your fucking trash together. yes and i was like okay so this book is right like it's nasty i'm i'm, a, I'm addicted to little ciggies
0: oh, i miss them so that's really interesting the quitting was about your relationship with other people yeah you quit because you didn't like how you smelled to other people because then you smelled somebody who was smoking like a- I don't want to put thoughts in your mind. You could just vape, which has much less smell.
2: Yeah, I could vape. But for whatever reason, vaping hurts my throat a lot. So Uh, I'm a purist. I love a cigarette. I love lighting it. I love that first drag. I just love it. And then my best Uh, friend, she would also be like, you smell like cigarettes all the time. And I'd be like, I know I smell like cigarettes because I smoke them. It is nice not smelling like them.
0: How has it changed you?
2: I get sad No, I'm kidding (laughs) Well, my blood pressure went down So that's good I guess I'm not winded as much going up the stairs (laughs) I don't really see like a huge
0: change you're a walking advertisement for quit
2: smoking.
0: <laughs> She's like it's basically the same. It's the it same. Kind of I could have just used mouthwash and achieved the same effect.
1: Have you replaced the ritual or the feeling or the hot, like the buzz? Have you replaced it with something?
2: No, I actually haven't. It's not funny, but like I used to smoke like when people would leave my house or like in the mornings and at night. And I have like a little backyard area where there's like a table and an ashtray. And every time I walk past it, I'm like, oh. We don't do that anymore. Mm. It was a ritual. <laughs> I have a little back office at my house and I'd like walk out to my office, smoke a cigarette before I go in my office. When I leave my office, smoke a cigarette. I punctuated things with a cigarette and now I just have to be done with shit?
0: Yeah, that sounds really hard. That sounds like maybe you have to get rid of the table or something. Like maybe the table has to just be donated to Goodwill.
2: Maybe. I don't know.
0: Or repurpose or, like, be covered cover it in
2: flowers or something? <laughs> oh, I could do that. Just cover it in flowers, make it all cute and shit.
0: Have you talked to anybody about what happens in your brain when you quit?
2: No. I actually don't know what happens in your brain.
0: Chad and I have talked to people about quitting other things, especially quitting, like, negative thinking and negative patterns and stuff and about what happens to your brain. I don't know what happens in your brain when you quit smoking, I'm curious. I'd love to know. We've got to get Maya Bialik back on here. She knows what happens in your brain. She's like a neuroscientist. Did you know? Oh, that? is she really? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and she came on here and told us she quit smoking. That was her quit.
0: That's oh. right. Yeah. Oh shit! I forgot that.
1: <laughs> she did.
0: I forgot that at the very end. She's like, I haven't really quit that many things. At the very end, she's like, I quit smoking, but no one knew she smoked.
1: Her kid. Her kid smoking. found out she smoked. That was the. That was oh, one of the reveals. Yeah. Oh.
0: yeah. Is it gonna change your dating life to not be a non-smoker?
2: Probably. Mm. They'll probably change it for the better. People really hate cigarette smoke. (laughs) (laughs) The older I got, the more I was like, Jesus Christ, everyone's so fucking uptight
0: about this. Did you grow up with smokers in your house?
2: Sure didn't. My mom didn't smoke, my dad didn't smoke, nobody smoked. I took it upon myself. I was like, I think it's cool. I'm going to learn how to do this. And then I learned how to... You have to learn how to smoke.
1: What kind of high school did you go to? I'm curious.
2: I went to Middletown High School South in Middletown, New Jersey. It was like a big school. Public school. Public school.
1: Yes. I went to public school. Were the kids smoking cigarettes? Or were you just like, huh, those smell good. I want to have one.
2: I had a couple of friends who smoked But for the most part, it was just, like, just me. I thought it was cool, and I really wanted to do it. I would, like, smoke in the bathroom and shit.
0: Oh, wow. You really doubled down.
2: Yeah. I was like, I'm going to be a smoker.
0: (laughs) Was that part of your identity at the time? Yeah, I was going to say. I'm bad. I'm I'm a bad girl. Were you, like,
1: the edgy kid? No,
2: not really. I did plays and shit by the end of high school. I'm the type of person who's like, oh, I'll try anything once. So if like people were drinking, I'd be like, oh, I'll drink. Oh, we're smoking weed now? I'll smoke weed. Yeah, I would just try anything in high school. I'm still like that now.
0: Was your school super diverse? Were there a lot of students of color? Or were I was going to you... ask
1: that same question. I was just going to say it like no. this. Though. Did you go to school with white kids?
2: Yeah, I went to school with a lot of white kids. But it didn't feel weird at the time. Like Looking back, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I grew up in a very Republican town, and there was a lot of white people. But yeah, I had like lots of friends and shit. Truly, nobody really smoked, though.
1: I wanted to ask that question to just segue to something that is totally not quitting related, but it is related to uh, people sending you texts in 2020 about feeling bad about race in America and that kind of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Can you tell us that story a little bit? Because that's interesting.
2: Yeah. So in 2020, during the protests, it was the summer. I just started getting texts from white people who are acquaintances not super close friends who were like if there's anything you need let me know and I'd be like what the fuck (laughs) what do you mean if I need anything and then I was talking to Sashir who's like my best friend and we have a podcast together and I was like this is a weird question but like are white people texting you, like, if you need something to, like, let them know? And she was like, yes. And I was like, well, what are you saying back? And she's like, I haven't responded to people, or, like, I just said okay, or whatever. And I was like, okay. Then I texted my sister, and I was like, are white people texting (laughs) She was like, yes. So (laughs) then I started telling this joke on stage, and then I would ask the black people in the audience, I'd be like, are your white friends (laughs) texting you? And... I think truly every single show I did except for one, they were all like, "Yes, they are texting," and I don't know why. So then, yeah, I like wrote it into a joke. Wait, wait, okay. wait, wait
1: Julie, before uh, you wait. do,
2: Julie, were
0: no, you texting I just, your I black know friends? F- no, oh. I didn't. Well, there's so much here. Keep going to the joke. I'm sorry. That, w- How that did you was make such it an funny? annoying.
1: That was such an annoying time. Exactly. How did you make it funny <laughs> and not just be like ignore them or be cranky?
0: It's in my special,
2: but the punchline is just the only white people who didn't text me were all the white dudes I ever fucked.
1: (laughs) <laughs> is that the truth? They, I actually remember that from your special. Yes, is that, that the is truth? the truth. What'd you land on in terms of like, what are they even asking me? Like, what do I need? Like, Uber Eats? Like, a gift card? Yeah,
2: I didn't know. I was like, am I getting my
0: reparations now? Like, I don't, what is this? Yes, one white person at a time. <laughs> we got together and we decided this is probably the best way to do this is just one sort of one $10 gift certificate at a time. Individually. time. <laughs> and then we get together at our meeting and we talk about
2: it. <laughs> I think I just responded it with like a thumbs up or i didn't respond i was like it's a shitty time i'm tired of watching black people being murdered on fucking on videos and shit Uh. and then it's like now we're marching and now i have to mitigate no offense white tears and i was like i don't have the bandwidth to do this so i was like i am not going to respond
1: generally speaking i'm just guessing because of where you stand right now like There's probably white people all over in your life, in your business life, your neighbors. What is your relationship with white people like? Is it comfortable? I'm black. A lot of the black folks in my life love you. A lot your name comes up a lot. You know, we laugh. We watch your special together. It seems like white people like you, too. That's unusual. Is there anything you've done intentionally to walk that line or is that just who you've always been?
2: I don't know. I think I just try to put out things that I think are funny and if you like me, you like me, and I'm happy you like me, and I don't really care what race you are, what color you are.
0: Did it put you in an uncomfortable position, though, in that moment? Like, for real, not just the funny of it. You are great to be able to find the funny in political strife and racial strife. Chad wrote an op-ed piece for the New York Times that they titled, right? The, yeah, you didn't but it was, the title, but
1: they titled. I it. don't need
0: love texts from my white friends.
1: Yeah, it was a good title.
0: And I read that. Before I met Chad, I read it and was like, ah, like dropped it. And I was like, thank God I haven't sent any text. But at the same time, like, was 100% just mentally crafting the perfect text that would make all Black people love me all the time. <laughs> and then when I read Chad's book and then we got in touch with each other, I read it and I read his piece again and I tried to be more measured about it, try to take it less personally. We can still get into it on this one at times because I'm like, well, what were white people supposed to do? And he's like, shut the fuck up. I get that now. But at the same time, I wanted to be a good white person. <laughs> I did all the reading. I read all the books. And I'm really glad I did because I finally understood white tears. Like you said, sorry, no offense. And I'm like, None taken. I know exactly what you mean, and I'm really glad I read those books, but I also know that you can read the books and still have to shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> good answer.
0: I do want to be a good white person. Well
1: said, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> you're good at this, man. Like, you, you're you just good at this. do you mean you're solid i say what i say i feel how i feel i am how i am and everybody else can like move around around that does that sound right
2: there's no point in trying to mold yourself into like what you think somebody wants from you, because then you're just gonna spend your whole life guessing. I'd rather just like do things. And then (laughs) if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. And if I offend you, I will try to figure out how I offended you and then change it. Will you though? I mean, yeah. If I tell a joke that like people are like, oh, that was offensive. I didn't like it. I'll be like, okay, I'll take a step back and I will try to figure out why it was offensive. And then if it is like actually offensive, I will stop telling that joke. I don't think you have to apologize for a joke. I think you could just learn and evolve.
0: But who gets to decide that? Because you said even if there's 10 people and nine of them love you and one hates you, that's life in the public eye. And there's that one person that's like, boo, no, canceled.
2: I think if you're telling a joke that's not relevant to you, you don't identify with the group of people you're talking about, and it's offensive to that group of people, and that group tells you that it's offensive, I think you gotta take a step back and go, why am I telling this joke? Why am I talking about something I don't know about? I truly think it's like if I don't have an experience with it, then why am I talking about it? Like I have a Karen joke in my special. I've encountered Karen's. This is my view on it. But if I had no encounter with one and I'm just like noticing and like hearing about it in the zeitgeist, like why am I making a joke about it? Cause I heard about it. No, I mean, I I like to make jokes about things that I've experienced because then it's like authentic. Otherwise it's like, why are you telling this
1: joke? You have so many outlets for your voice and creativity. 10, let's just say you have that many, right? You have podcasts, you have TV, also appearances. You also do stuff like this. Like, how do you not run out? I know you said you're ADHD. So I imagine you probably have a lot of things firing off at once all the time (laughs) anyway. But, like, how do you just, like, not get tapped or do you get tapped?
2: I mean, a lot of shit's by design, like, with the podcasts. One is about relationships, so that's, like, relationships. One is with my best friend, so that's just us having a nice time and tee-hee-heeing. And then one is about watching movies with Lauren Lapkus, newcomers. And then the other one is about 90 Day Fiancé, so we're talking about 90 Day Fiancé. It's geared towards not running out of things to say about these certain topics. Wipeout, those jokes are written for me and Cena. Nailed it. I have a loose outline of shit that I improvise within. Grand Cruz scripted. It's easy to do all of these things because they are structured in a way that keeps them being not repetitive, but like uh, long running, if that makes sense.
0: Do you ever worry that people will burn out on you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they don't. They might. I think that you are endlessly entertaining and fascinating because you're authentic. I don't want to damn you with your own praise, but I remember hearing once about somebody looking for a Julie Bowen type. I go, how about just fucking me? How about me? Because I'm available. (laughs) So you don't get a Julie Bowen type. They're like, well, we don't really want you. We're just looking for someone like you.
2: Yeah, that's awful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the flip side is like, uh, Sophia Vergara. I remember one day saying to her, "She always work on the weekends," and she is one hundred percent giving me permission to do her voice. She was like, "Just this weekend, I'm going to do the ninja coffee maker for the uh, how you say the um the television. You know those long ad. What are those ads called? Like Commercial. Like a, no, but it's like the long one. It's like a half an hour ad. Oh, an infomercial. An infomercial. And I was like, Sophia, you're a good actress. Like you don't have to. Do that if you don't want to. She goes, I please. Right now they want me. I make all the money I can. And then poof, I disappear. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is that? Maybe I'm doing this wrong. And do you ever have thoughts like that? Like I should get it while the getting's good.
2: Yeah. I mean, if people want to hire me for things. Of course I'd like to do them because there will be a time where, I mean, knock on wood, I hope it doesn't come, but there will be a time where you're not as hot as you once were. You know, women have expiration dates in here old Hollywood. You get a couple (laughs) of wrinkles or two and they go, go to bed, you're nasty. So yeah. Go to bed. Go to bed. I do try to work as much as I can. But I'm also like lucky because I've created... A career where a lot of it depends on me, I could go tour. People will come see me because they like me. I don't always have to just be on television and like wait for someone to cast me. I also write, I do podcasts, so they might get sick of me, but I don't think I'm going to go
1: anywhere. Your answer totally made sense when I asked you, how do you not run out of stuff? And the answer was basically because like the format of everything that I work on is such that it lends to more stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. Did I paraphrase that right? Yeah. You just added... Four more things to the list that I didn't even mention, which is that you tour, you write. Do you even acknowledge what I'm saying? That like that you're, you're prolific. <laughs> like, is it just flowing through you, or is there some discipline about it?
2: I mean, there's discipline. When I wrote my book, that was hard. There was like deadlines and shit, and I'd be like, oh my god, I don't know. It's a picture book. It's like there aren't that many <laughs> words, but I was like struggling to write this. I don't know. I just like I like doing it. I like telling jokes. Also, I have help. Like. My manager listens to my podcast and he'll sometimes, Joel, be like, hey, this little thing you said is pretty funny. Do you want to, like, add on to it and make it into, like, a full-fledged joke? And I go, oh, okay. And then, like, Sashir and I, we've written stuff together. We collaborate a lot. I do things with people, so it's not just me by myself.
0: You don't have to name the project because you have so many. You just named so many that I lost count. Secretly in your brain, is there one of you like, I-, I could dump that?"
2: No, because I like all my jobs. I did take a, like a step away from stand-up because it was just getting overwhelming, working five days a week and then touring on the weekends. I'll just take a little bit of a break from something, and then everything doesn't shoot at the same time. So I'm pretty happy and content and like really fucking lucky that I get to do what I get to do?
1: What's your IRL life like when you're not working, which seems rare? I mean, now you can't smoke cigarettes in the backyard. I know. Either. That's why no. it's so like, The first thing that occurred yeah, to me, too, Chad, sad. I
0: was like, it's right here. She's this here and she's swiping. <laughs> just swiping and smoking.
2: What do I do? I hang out with my dog. I travel. I like to go to nice restaurants. I like drinking. I like roller skating. I pole dance. Um,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Let's just take a pause. You had me at roller skating, but then you just had to go on to pole dancing. (laughs) Can you explain the genesis of both of these loves?
2: Sure. So, right when the pandemic started, I think it was like April or May, they were like, You can go outside. Outside's not too bad. I was like, All right. Well, what can we do outside? And I was like, Ooh, roller skate. I've always wanted to roller skate. So, I bought a pair of roller skates. And then I was like, Sashir, you have to buy roller skates. And she was like, I don't want to. So then I sent her a bunch of links to roller skates I thought she would like. And she said, I don't want to buy these. And I said, well, you will. (laughs) And we're going to learn how to do this. So then she bought roller skates. My friend Logan, a.k.a. Meatball, he's a drag queen, and his boyfriend, they had roller skates. And then uh, my friend Ellie had roller skates. So then I was like, okay, let's all meet in the park on Tuesdays and we'll have a little skate gang. So on Tuesdays, we would play... Play music and roller skate till the sun went down and then drink wine and we did that all summer and it was so nice i'm also speaking from such a privileged place i joined the pandemic i was like i started a skate gang and we had a nice time and people were dying (laughs) i do know that that's like a nice thing that i got to do that a lot of people were not afforded and then pole dancing i started doing maybe like three years ago at this point my friend eleanor was like posting videos on her Instagram. And she's got these like beautiful long legs and she was pole dancing. And I was like, oh my God, you look so good. Where are you doing this? I wanna do this. And she was like, oh, this studio called Luscious Maven in North Hollywood. And I was like, I wanna do it. And she's like, you can. And I was like, I think I'm too fat. And she was like, no. No, have you ever seen like two people on a pole? Just like if two people could be on it. And so I came up with my own equation. If two to three thins could be on a pole, one fat could be on a pole.
0: (laughs) Your concern was for the pole? Well, I I was like,
2: (laughs) I don't want to rip the pole. I'm concerned for anybody.
0: So did you go to that place, Maven? Yeah,
2: Luscious Maven in North Hollywood. Eleanor came with me to my first class, so did Sashir. It's kind of addicting because you learn. Like three very basic spins. And by the end of like the hour and a half, you can do at least one of them. And you're like, oh, if I just try hard enough, I can just do this.
1: Is it like the actual physical exhilaration of like moving around thing? Or is it like the performance aspect? Like what's fun about it?
2: I don't know. I wish when I was little, someone was like, you do need to exercise, you know, like you got to move your body. It it just makes it work better. But you can find something (laughs) fun. A fun way to move your body that does mm. the job of moving it or whatever. Pole dancing is like a fun way to move your body. And then I like to make little videos and then you can watch it. And then you're like, look at what I fucking did. And then I like strippers. I think sex work is real work. I don't know. In another world, I'd be a stripper. That seems like a fun time. Do you watch P Valley? I
0: love P Valley. Mm-hmm. I just started watching it. it and I was so good. shredded by what those women could do on a pole yeah I it's was like, incredible oh, it, it was astounding and the thing where they do like the death drop from above and all uh-huh. I was like oh this is like an Olympic sport. It should be.
1: They're real athletes. They They are. are, And the core
0: strength. Have Uh you felt a difference in your body since you started doing it? Oh, absolutely.
2: Like, I'm stronger. Mm. I'm more limber. I could always do a split, but I lost my splits. What? Because if you don't practice Mm. them, you'll lose them. I just, like, worked with my teacher, Veronica, for, like, two months. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I could do a full split again. So now I can, like, drop into a split.
0: Like, from up. Like, spin, spin, spin. Bam. Down onto the split.
2: Mm. So I can't drop from super, super (laughs) far. Okay. Just on a
1: standstill right that's into too the scary split. any
0: kind of a split i'm impressed well, by I can, i'm like just going on my p valley knowledge wrap
2: my legs around the pole and then drop into it
1: hey do you have a point of view on east coast strip clubs versus california strip clubs la strip clubs
2: i've never been to like a new york strip club i've been to a strip club in miami which was wild truly the wildest time i've ever had in my whole life i've been to a strip club in kansas which was also it was pretty fun kansas I was, fun. That was wild yeah, I liked Kansas. Portland, I went during the day, so it was a little sad. You went <laughs> yeah. for the buffet. <laughs> the daytime you, yeah. shift. Ooh, the boy. daytime shift oh, is boy. always a little
0: different. A than, little yeah. tough.
2: I went to a male strip club in Portland, too, called Stag, which was super fun. That's it's a good name. name. Yeah, right? And then yeah. I've been to Jumbos out here. yeah.
0: Jumbos, though, doesn't serve alcohol. No,
2: Jumbos does serve alcohol. It's not fully nude. So in California, it if is. it's fully California, nude, <laughs> right. no alcohol. Julie.
0: <laughs> That's right. Because in oddly, it's in Canada... At the Peeler Bars, is that they're called the Peeler Bars? You're up in Sniffers Row. It's full nude and all alcohol. And I think they just trust that Canadians are that much more polite than Americans. Mm -hmm.
1: That's most strip clubs.
0: Not in California. Yeah, not in
1: California. California specific. And then there's the
0: weird pasty law. It's not in every state, but I know it must be in Illinois because in Illinois, as long as you're wearing a pasty, you're not fully nude. Oh. But they'll wear these pasties that are like painted like nipples or like bedazzled or bejeweled or something. So that counts as not being fully nude, but it's, you know, small area of coverage, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) But I find going to strip bars, I used to think it was really fun. Because I wanted to be a boy and I wanted to hang out with boys. And I thought that all the things that happened in the world that were good were happening when girls weren't around and boys were talking to each other. And so I used to go to strip bars (laughs) frequently Mm -hmm. And I found that the ladies really love another lady in a strip club. They love it. But I was going broke. Well, you have to. You have to tip. It is 20 bucks every 15 minutes, no matter what. I think so. People don't tip. And I'm like, Oh, that's wrong.
2: Why are you here? You cannot be here. You also cannot sit up front. I try to tip like five to ten per girl, which is a lot. Usually it's like one to two per girl, but like, yeah, you
0: gotta, you gotta spend the money. One to two. Dollars. Oh, okay. I was like, she's talking like, th- are you Usher? I thought she meant
1: hundreds. Like thousands. No. Yeah. I and was like. that's like another $15 to take <laughs> your money out of the ATM. I know you said in another life, but do you think you would ever get up there? I've you thought You do a about lot it. of scary shit, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you do. I mean, if I ever got like, good good at it yes so the goal is to mm. get upside down i can't get upside down yet because it's so fucking hard but if i were to get upside down and like be able to actually like climb for a good chunk of time i would probably try to like dance one night a week
1: at a club. that would be inspired that would be so That'd cool be it would incredible. also be really cool for your next stand up to like trinkle down from a pole <laughs> oh. <laughs> onto the stage <laughs> that is fantastic chad nobody would ever expect that
0: is there a better word than stripper
1: What's wrong with that word? I think
0: stripper is fine. I just know whether it Dancer, there
1: was a, exotic dancers.
0: I don't, I, think, I don't know. I
2: think stripper is fine. I just know that we don't use prostitute anymore. That is full service sex work. Full, oh.
0: full service sex work is prostitution. Oh. It is the world's oldest profession and much respect to it. Nicole, back in the day, actresses were considered prostitute adjacent and were buried outside of town along with what they then called, you know, harlots. How funny! Sex workers. Yeah. I mean, so we're right, we're right there. Yeah, we're We've selling right our talents. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're just selling it. Whoever's buying, we will sell it, and they're gonna have to bury us out of town. <laughs> Chad, you could still get buried close to town.
1: Okay, great.
0: <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what I think about.
0: I didn't see all of hustlers. Did Lizzo ever get up on the pole on that? I don't think so.
2: 99% sure she does not dance.
1: I did see a guy call you Lizzo on the street <laughs> on your Jimmy on your Jimmy Kimmel thing.
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Was that a first?
2: No, people call me Lizzo all the time. It's funny. I mean, she's a singer. I do comedy. We're very different people. I've been called Gabrielle Sidibe, Dulce Sloan, Amber Riley, like any other bigger black woman I have been called.
0: Have you ever run into any of those women and they said, oh, my God, I get called you?
2: No, it was funny. Raven Goodman was on my podcast and I was like, I get mistaken for you a lot. And she was like, never in my life have I been mistaken for you. And I was like, cool. Okay. <laughs> but she's very, very sweet. Dulce, we've spoken about how people have mistaken us for each other. Natasha Rothwell's another one. She has a Netflix character special. And when that came out, I remember I was in New York doing shows, and someone was like, I love your Netflix character special. I was like, oh, I don't have one. And they're like, yes, you do. And I said, no, I sure don't. They're like, aren't you Natasha Rothwell? And I was like, no. And they are like, yes, you are. And I was like, What? And people like to do that. They like to go, yes, you are. I've been called Reda. Someone brought me Reda's picture and asked me to sign it. And I was like, I'm not Reda. And they're like, yes, you are. And I was like, I, no, I'm not. I'll sign it, but I'm not
1: her. Julie, that actually just reminded me when someone was looking for a Julie Bowen type, <laughs> how much time did you spend in your head trying to define what that was exactly?
0: At the time, I didn't give a shit. I want that job. What do you mean you're looking for a Julie Bowen type?
1: What did they mean? I, let me not even guess what they meant.
0: I found—I only found out it because somebody said, isn't that great? You're a type.
1: You're a type now. Nicole's a type now.
0: I think there's this pre-modern family, and I was really excited that my name was known at all. Oh, maybe I won't have to try so hard because it's like you know, 20 auditions for every one job kind of thing. Oh, maybe we're knocking our numbers down. Maybe it'll be like 10 and one. I thought it meant a loudmouth white girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Arms crossed,
0: judging, big finger. I don't know. I didn't care. I just wanted the job. I was like, what is the job? I bet in five years we're having a totally different conversation with Nicole where she, where you, because you're here, I'm not going to talk about you in the third person, <laughs> are picking and choosing more. I'd love to see how long you can maintain All these things that you're doing, I applaud it and I love it and I love working and I want to do that too. In
1: our homework, we know that you once turned your camera to the thing and showed your schedule blocks. It's like back to back to back to back to back. How much of your schedule filling is you just love what you do? You just love to work. You love the creative output. And how much of it is entrepreneurial? How much of it is just like I'm building a business, the business of me, and I got to do this shit? Well,
2: I guess I don't ever think of it like that. I have a bunch of jobs and
1: uh, that's my schedule and uh, I gotta do it. I didn't wanna ask this question, which was like, why did you do this interview? Something comes across your desk, your desk. I don't even know if you have a desk. <laughs> but like comes across your phone.
0: Her assistant's desk now. Yeah, your assistant's yes. desk.
1: She comes to you. She says, hey, do you want to do this thing, Nicole? What does it run through to make that decision?
2: Do you want the honest thing? Yeah. My publicist told me to do it.
1: She, yeah! So Yeah. She, he or she is or they are just, this is what you're doing tomorrow.
2: My publicist will get a bunch of requests and then they'll send me the requests and then I go, which one should I do? Because I don't that's awesome. like to Man, read we made the anything. Cut. We, so, can,
0: I know that's why I just give it the, the, the fist bump <laughs> in the air.
1: So then she says, "You got to do this thing."
0: Not
2: you have to. They uh, I just mean, go, I "Here's what to. we recommend," and I go, "Okay, well, who's involved?" And I go, "Oh, okay, this sounds like fun."
0: You and I have something very much in common that surprised me. You can't sing or dance really at all.
1: Nope. But
0: you me can too. pole
1: dance. Yeah, but I'm not good at
0: it. But that you always wanted to do live theater.
2: I would love to be in a musical, but I don't see that for myself. I mean, I guess I could just do a straight play one day. I hope to. I would love to. I genuinely love theater. But yeah, I wish I could sing.
0: I spent a lot of time being rejected from live theater in New York. I originally moved there after college, and I thought that was my trajectory, and TV was for people that couldn't make it in theater, (laughs) and here I am, happily ensconced in television. But I always felt like it rejected me, therefore it's the thing I want. It's like the guy that wouldn't sleep with me, so I want him badly.
2: I only went out on, I think, two musical theater auditions. I auditioned for Grease. And I sang rock and robin, but I didn't bring sheet music. And the pianist was so angry. He was like, Why wouldn't you bring sheet music to a musical audition? What's in a musical? And I was like, Music? And he was like, Yes. And I was like, Oh my God. And he was so mean to me. And they did let me sing it a cappella. It was not good. And they were like, Thanks. Goodbye. This is when I was like 20 years old.
0: Okay, so yeah, you didn't know any Maybe better. Maybe 21. Fuck that guy.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was an open call, a cattle call. So there was a bunch of different people there. I guess it was the national tour of Greece. I
0: I don't remember. Are you a watch? This is the extent of my musical knowledge. So are you a, <clears throat> you a belter? I know. <laughs>
2: all of it is bad. I can't really belt. I can't say if I'm an alto or a soprano. Maybe I sing in a head voice. I don't know. It's all very bad. I've been taking singing lessons. My teacher is very kind, but I'm bad.
1: I just heard the jersey for the first time in this entire conversation when you said uh, in the word all. 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 All.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: there it is.
1: <laughs>
2: Sometimes it
0: pops out. Of course, i got to bring it back to quitting. That's the name of the show. There's nothing that you would shift out. There's no swap you would do. There's nothing you would quit so that you could do musical theater. I
2: mean, I'd have to learn how to sing first.
0: What about just straight theater? What about H- head of Gabler?
2: Honestly, I would love to do a play. I don't think I'd have to switch anything out. I think I could just take a break. I also stack podcast episodes I could just stack before I went to New York to do the run and then just do it while I'm not shooting anything else. So I don't think I'd have to give up anything.
0: I'm just going to throw it out here to you and your publicist <laughs> and your agent. Everything. I think we should do a play. It should be a musical, but we never sing. Someone's going to have to write it. <laughs> I see this written by like <laughs> Amy Sedaris. It's two people that are backstage about to go on at the musical. They never actually sing because that's the thing that we cannot do. Okay. Maybe we go off stage, you just hear someone else sing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: As long as I don't
1: have to sing.
0: Exactly. And Chad. I'll dance. Chad's actually very good at singing. I have never seen you dance, but I know that you it's can like, sing. Okay. So your biggest quit thus far, and it's big, is smoking. Cigarettes.
1: That's a big and one. that is huge. That's a big, hard one.
0: Yeah. How often in the last 80 minutes have you thought about smoking? Since
2: we talked about it twice, and I did do that at one time, I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. that would be so nice. I miss the holding my little two fingers up, and I miss ashing. I miss them so much.
0: What (sighs) did you smoke? What kind of cigarettes did you smoke?
2: Marble menthols. Well, I started with marble lights because we stole them from my friend's mother. And then I switched to marble reds. And then I switched to... Virginia Slims, and then Capris, oh. and then Marble Menthol Lights, and then no, I like Menthol, so then Marble Menthols for a solid probably 12 years, 15 years.
1: Do you have a smoking friend who you left behind who feels estranged now? No. Oh, no. just like, your backyard. She's Everybody. like the only
2: one. Everybody. So, okay, my old roommate... Evan, we used to smoke. He quit before me. He quit probably three years before me, four years. And then he vaped for a while. Now he doesn't do anything. And then my other old roommate, she might still smoke every now and again. But she doesn't smoke as heavily as she used to. So, yeah, I guess I left her.
1: Good. I mean, uh, whatever. (laughs) Good. Great. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations.
0: It's a huge, it is a huge quit. Do you ever come across something in your wardrobe? You pull out an old coat and you're like, shit. You can smell it.
2: No, I think it's been long enough because I quit January 3rd. So all the coats I wore this year, I didn't smoke in them. So it's been okay. two years, I guess, since I would have smoked in those coats.
0: Do you wear wigs? I do wear wigs. Because they w- hair will hold smoke.
2: Hair does hold smoke. And for a while, my wigs did smell a little bit like smoke. But then I bought a wig refresher thing. And hey. then I washed a bunch of them. Okay, now she does not smell like smoke.
0: How important are wigs in your life? Would you ever quit wigs?
2: No, I love a wig.
0: (laughs) I've only had one made for my head, the full head, and it was so expensive and so fancy and the studio owned it. I couldn't get it back. It should have walked away with you on your last day. I think they kept it in a safe. (laughs) Well, Nicole, I just want to say thank you so much. I suspected you were delightful. And you really are. I'm sure a lot of people have thanked you, parents. During the pandemic, there's very few things my kids and I could agree upon to watch. Nailed It was one of the only ones. I watched it for your relationship with the redheaded AD guy that you're always yelling at. That's so funny. You're the that third was person who watched. was like,
2: he's a redhead. I thought he was blonde.
0: He's a ginger. How funny. His beard, he gets when he gets beard, he's, he's a redhead. How funny. He's like a Viking. I guess I don't know what redheads are. <laughs> but do people tell you that they watch for your relationship with him?
2: People tell me that they watch for all different types of things. Our relationship, my relationship with Jacques the silly cakes I love Jacques Torres he is the nicest man
0: I mean there's obvious reasons to watch I'm not as interested in the cakes as I am in the humor (laughs) and what you personally will make very very funny so thank you for that thank you for keeping us all entertained during the pandemic and thank you for coming on Quitters thank you thank Thank you thank you you for having me really appreciate it